Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And I'm Charlie Beck. And yes, there are all three hosts on the show today because it's our special Ask Us Anything episode. So we put a call out across all of our socials and ask people what are the juiciest questions that they want to ask the Spill host. And look, we're going to get into some stuff that probably should be off the record, but we'll say it today. We're all friends here. But before we get into that, there was one question that came through a few times that, guys, we're not answering in the main show. I think if you were listening to The Spill last week, you would have heard us talk about celebrity predictions and how, yeah, Charlie's shaking it. Yeah, Laura hates those. <laughs> I just think it's hard to sort of say. Like, I understand that people love the idea of, like, a crystal ball and what do you think? And obviously, we spend so much of our time, like, thinking and talking about celebrities. We should know. So, all last week, the one question that was coming through all the prediction episodes and articles we were working on is, are Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey going to get married next year in the year 2024? We didn't have our resident Swift expert on the pod when we talked about this last time. So now I'm going to throw to one Chelsea McLaughlin and ask, because you are the most diehard Taylor person <laughs> I know. Are they getting married, Chelsea? Is this something that in your Swifty circles you guys talk about? Oh, my God. No. Okay. So I am obviously unhinged, notorious Swifty, but I'm also a notorious marriage hater. I don't personally want to get married. Marriage I don't understand hater. The I don't oh, have you not heard this from her before? Yeah. No, I actually <laughs> haven't. No, don't apologize, Chelsea, no, be a marriage no, hater. No, stand by it. <laughs> Look, whatever. Everyone else can do what they want, but I just don't understand the point of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the institution doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I just kind of hate the implication that a relationship is not legitimate until mm-hmm. it's a marriage. I feel like adding pressure to things like that feels very unnatural. And also just like the overall point is that we don't know. And also we shouldn't really care, should we? I personally don't care. As long as she's happy, she's happy. Whatever (laughs) that looks like, that's fine. I think it's so interesting. Like the one thing I always say, as much as everyone thinks they're very evolved feminists and we've moved past that, our society is just set up that there is nothing that we celebrate a woman for like getting married. Like so interesting with even with Taylor Swift, one of the most successful women in the world, that even after everything she's done, nothing would get headlines and congratulations like her getting married. Like that's wild to think about. Especially after this year, which has been the biggest year of her career, maybe the biggest year of like anyone's career in the last few decades within sort of I know, and that's the one question coming through about her. <laughs> and all yeah. they care about, yeah. Oh, we're all a bit regressive. Anyway, now we've got that out of the way to everyone who asked. <laughs> I hope that solved the mystery question for you. Let's get into the really important questions that people shot through about, well... What happens behind the scenes, juicy tidbits, all that kind of stuff we want to share with you. So here it is, our entertainment news story we need to talk about today.
Okay, kicking it off with the questions. This is a bit of a light, sexy one to start. Which celebrity would you want to date and why? That's so easy. Did someone actually ask that? Yeah, they did. These are all real questions. How dare you? I'll send you the screenshots from the Instagram. I'm really glad someone asked that. I love talking about myself marrying celebrities. This is one of my favorite topics. So thank you. Except you just said that you're against marriage. I love this. But there might be one celebrity. She'll throw it all all away for. If Oscar Isaac came to me and said, I really believe in the institution of marriage and I want to marry you, I would say, hell yes, Oscar Isaac. (laughs) Oh, the man in the skirt. I forgot. We'll all throw away our beliefs for someone. You just got to find, I mean, maybe the naysayers are right. You just got to find the right person and then you'll throw all your feminist and like world ideals out the window. (laughs) Which celebrity do you want to date? Oh, he's the man everyone's talking about this year and no surprise, Mr. Jacob Elordi. Thanks. That's so nice of you. I really appreciate that. Oh, right. Oh, my goodness, that man. He's beautiful. He's tall. Sea salt bird and you'll understand. <laughs> you might have to move to Brisbane, though. Brisbane's no, nice. he, no, no, he doesn't even like yeah. Brisbane. He even said recently he <laughs> doesn't like Brisbane. Hey, how dare you? Him, oh, not you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say I like Brisbane. Honestly, I'd move anywhere for that. But do you, okay, is it him or the character he's playing? No, though? it's him. Okay, oh, sure. Yeah. You want the guy walking no, through the airport even looking him at the is, books? Yeah, I want his handbag collection. Like, <laughs> him even is Nate in Euphoria. He's such a toxic character. But I was like, yes. No. Yes. Oh, that's the most controversial thing you've seen. That's probably that something for you to unpack with a professional. Totally. so much time in this um, Yeah, he's very sexy, man. LB, who's yours? Oh, I'm so bad at answering this question because the downside of this job is I've met so many famous men and most of them are just not great behind the scenes, guys. Not all of them, obviously, but there's so many I've met and I'm just like, oh, you're just, once I meet you in person, the sexual attraction just dries up instantly. <laughs> Who was say, the biggest disappointment? Come on. I don't know if there's been a massive disappointment in terms of like one person. I guess I don't really have crushes on that many people. Okay, who who would be a surprising disappointment? Well, I've tried to shut myself off from this a bit this year and not interact with any of my TV crushes because I do have one (laughs) intense one, which is Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead. This year, I got offered an interview with him three different times and three different times I had to say, no, thank you. I had no business (laughs) talking to that man. You You know what's going to ruin that man and that character for me is talking to him one-on-one. That's such a good point. And him fumbling or not wanting to answer a question or, you know what I mean? That's Yeah, it ruins the facade and, like, just the image you have of I would say one crush that has endured over the years is Jensen Ackles, who used to be on a TV show called Dark Angel. Then he was on Supernatural for, like, 12 seasons. Well, our next question is a little bit more, I guess, if we're ranking things in terms of television, like a bit more prestige. We've got the lowbrow of the way, and now we're moving into our succession style questions. So our next question is, how did the strike affect your job? And I think the most obvious way it impacted this year was that we didn't have ability to interview people. Obviously, there was the writer strike first and then the actor strike. And both of those really ground like everything in productions in Hollywood to a halt. The way it flowed down to us is quite often we will do like junker interviews for upcoming TV shows, movies, things like that. And they all did not happen. And so a lot of things just went without promotion and therefore went without as much coverage as maybe we would normally give them I think it actually impacted the year of pop culture and the way that we have spoken so much about Taylor Swift about Beyonce about musicians more obviously they've always been kind of like huge stars but I think stripping away any actors from being able to do anything let them shine on a level that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise and as a pop girly 
I liked that. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like that week when we knew the strike was about to be called and it hadn't happened, like my inbox Mm. and phone were blowing up with PRs and studios and stuff and streamers trying to get those interviews across the line. We just couldn't make it happen. And then missing out on not just the interviews that we do, but also just having celebrities be out on the promo trails for their movies and all of the content that comes from that, you know, talk show appearances, red carpets, like that's usually fulfilling the daily grind of celebrity news and that Mm. all disappeared. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bland year. I mean, also, the other way it affected me is no Emily in Paris for Christmas. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to just to be real, what am my sister and I going to talk about at night if we can't have our Emily in Paris annual watch on Christmas night? Do you know when it is actually coming out? I'm just curious. No, I don't know. Because they've filmed it. Yeah, but I think it was like the end of production was shut down because of the strike and then so, so they are delayed. So, it's, yeah, I don't and know. And now they've got to get them all back to Paris. Now there's just God. an empty void in Christmas. Oh, my God. Of all the shows, of all the shows they were impacted, I like that we've ended up with Emily <laughs> in Paris. Okay, now this one comes from the host of Mamma Mia's The Quickie Podcast, Claire Murphy. And, God, I think this every day. How does Laura Brodnick store that much information in her head? LB, <laughs> please let us in on the secret. A bit rich of Claire Murphy, esteemed news journalist, <laughs> to ask such a question. I don't know if this is interesting to anyone. One thing is, like, I think the biggest misconception about this podcast and celebrity entertainment journalism in general is that it's easy and quick you don't have to put the work into it but I find a lot of the time you have to put extra work in to make things interesting or to find the story and so it's a really boring answer and a lot of it is just intense legwork research putting the work in obviously on my Instagram I put up a lot of photos from like events and celebrity interviews and I get so many messages from people saying oh your life is so glamorous and fun and like yes parts of it are but I I don't usually take a photo of my screen at 7 30 in the morning where I've like sat for two hours looking for stuff and planning out things and, you know, getting things ready for the day and all that sort of stuff. Like a lot of it's just like it's a cramming for an exam every day. That's how I kind of see this job. And the other thing is that this isn't completely founded, but I've read a lot of research papers on it, is that when you have dyslexia, which and I have like extreme numerical dyslexia, and there's like studies to show that if you have like dyslexia, you often can have like a really good memory. So I think I have that as well. Like someone can tell me a story once or I'll just read something like I have memory of like picking up a tabloid magazine, waiting for my mum at the hairdresser when I was like 11 and reading a story about like Britney Spears or something. And I still remember that exact story word for word. So a lot of the time when we're like chatting to you guys on the pod and I'll say something, it'll be something I read like 15 years ago. I just burnt into my brain That's forever. That's incredible. That's a great Just think of all the information in that could be in there. It also freaks people out <laughs> because like you could have told me a story about like your childhood the first day we met like five years ago. It's like burnt into my brain. So I'll bring it up another oh time and then people goodness. freak out that you're stalking them. Yeah, what's going to come out? I know. Just be careful what you say because I remember everything. I remember everything. After the break, we're going to get into some more juicy questions and let me give you a hint about one of them, our best and worst interviews. Okay, so to kick off the second half, we have a two-pronged question. So firstly, Is it exhausting going to all those glam events? Short answer, yes. And secondly, tacked onto that is our best and worst premieres of the year. Oh, that's a good one. 
Honestly, I'm a girly who loves getting dressed up, so it is fun just getting dressed up, going out to these events. But of course it is. You're working. You're still there. You're still representing the company. And for Chelsea and I, who finished work at two in the afternoon, we just have to pop home, maybe have a little snooze, maybe not, get ready, get back at the door and start work at 6 a.m. the next day. So yes, but it's a privilege also. It comes with the territory. It comes with the role. And just to be able to go see these amazing shows and watch all of these incredible creatives have produced is, yeah, a massive privilege. How do you guys feel about it? Exhausted? Yeah, it is exhausting when you have, like, I have weeks where I have to be at something every single night till late, but also because we all have full-time day jobs, we'll all have to be, you know, at work early in the morning. And I think it's just like adrenaline pushing through. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I also am just, I'm perpetually tired because I'm also an insomniac. So you add in the morning shift, the the events and the insomnia, and I'm a walking zombie. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's so much fun most of the time. Okay, quickly, best or worst premiere of the year, does anything stick out? My best, this is the most basic bitch answer, but I have to say it because, like I said, we love dressing up and this was all pink. It was Barbie. It's actually kind of amazing. It was so fun. That was an intense night. Like I nearly had sensory overload from walking in. You get the pink carpet and everyone's dressed in bright colours and there was a station to get your nails painted and a station with pink cocktails and the Barbie music's blasting and there's Barbie dolls everywhere. And yeah, it was a fun night, but that was an intense one. Well, of course, mine had to be the musical I have been talking about all year and pestering LB to take me to, and it was the Wicked premiere. Oh, yeah. It was such a fun night. I was like a little kid. I was so excited. They had the green cocktails, the pink cocktails, sang along in my seat. That's the night we were sitting next to each other, remember, and there was like some famous people next to us who, I won't say who they are, but they're from a children's band, like making yep, out and wiggles. bumping. <laughs> Come on, I was so intrigued by the Wiggles. I was like just watching them the whole time. I mean, I won't say which one it was, but I had a pretty terrible premiere at the start of the year. Maybe this this is where my hatred of movie stars comes from. I don't do a lot of red carpets now, but I do them occasionally. Usually I send the young'uns along because they're all like, this is fun. I'm like, yeah, standing here for six hours to talk to uptight people. But had one kind of bad red carpet interaction with an actor who was super rude and aggressive and not great. That's the downside of the job. In terms of a good premiere, The Little Mermaid was pretty magical. Mm. Like in the way it was all done up and people were so excited and the music was drifting through, like the classic music was drifting through the state theatre and then Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy like came out onto stage and that was really magical. Chelsea saw Rove. <laughs> I oh my God. She was screaming and crying. It was just a big yes. magical night for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that was a highlight. I love it so much. So this is an interesting one. We got a question and it is, how do you decide what stories to cover and what stories feel too gossipy? Where is the line? So we have a few rules that we go by here at Mamma Mia when it comes to just stories in general. And one thing is we don't diss the ladies. So if anything feels like you're kind of piling onto a woman or making fun of something she's done or she's wearing, we won't touch it. We're just not about that here. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, we do cover gossip in a way, but we always try and be like, this is what people are saying. Why are they saying it? Where did the source come from? We obviously don't know the backstory here. Like we always try and cover that. But sometimes it is hard to not pick up on those really gossipy stories, especially because we know so much from like our analytics that that's what people are very interested in. And I've got to say, most of the time I stand by all the stories we cover, even if they're like a bit silly and gossipy, I think we're usually very quick to caveat, like we don't know if this is true or not. It's just kind of around. I've been doing this built for so many years now. And someone did ask me the other day at an event if there's anything 
this person should have written to ask us anything box, but they were like, are there any episodes you regret doing? And only Ooh. one came to mind and I don't have the power to do this, but if I could figure out how to go back into the spill feed and delete it, maybe I'll make that my little holiday quest to work that out. We did an episode like before you guys are on the pod about that rumor that Dax Shepard, you know, from the Armchair yeah, Expert yeah, yeah. podcast and Kristen Bell. So icky to say, I hate myself for bringing it up, but they're like, he was like sexually involved with Monica Padman from the podcast or they were in a thruple. Oh. And like news sources were printing them and yeah. but they were mostly on like the dark corners of Reddit and people were like putting in comments and stuff. And we obviously didn't say it was true, but it was such a stupid rumor. Yeah. And I don't think it added anything to the conversation, but we covered it because I was like, well, maybe this is what people are talking about. But I felt icky afterwards and I feel even worse now, like two years on. So like that's probably the only rumor story I like mm. really regret touching. Yeah, no, I totally get that because that stuff's around all the time. Yeah. But we'll probably make a call unless it really is verified. There's yeah. no way we'll touch it these days. Okay, now this is usually the pinnacle of these Ask Us Anything episodes and it's the question that comes through the most every year. And thankfully, every year we have brand new stories to add to the list. What have been your best and worst celebrity interviews of the year? So mine isn't from this year, but it's one that I've been thinking about all year for a really, it's, it's a bittersweet one. So... Years ago, when I first started here, I did my first celebrity interview and it was with MasterChef judge Jock Zonfrillo. Oh, yeah. Oh, did yeah. I sign that to you? And you assigned oh, it to fun. me, LB. And I was really nervous because I was a really big fan of MasterChef. LB talked me through what type of questions to ask. And yeah, how I couldn't believe when you were like, oh, yeah, I'll do this massive interview. Like, oh, it's my first one, but I got this. You got this. Yeah, I go. was really nervous and it was a pure delight. He was just one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to. And we are on the phone for about half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And yeah, that's a special one that I'm going to love. And I've thought about, yeah, a ton this year. So that is probably my best, my first and best. Oh, that's, that's so a good. And you wrote, a really, you wrote a really lovely piece off that yeah, too. Yeah. Well, I, I met him afterwards in Melbourne for some promo for the show and he was just absolute delight. LB, best interview this year. Let's start. Actually, no, switch it around. I've just done my best, but we need some contrast. Worst interview of this year. Oh, mine are, I've got two that I want to bring up, but they both straddle best and worst. Oh, okay. So, not that, so right. they turn out to be good content, but they've got slightly embarrassing backstories that I haven't really told anyone yet. But I guess now would be the moment. Like I said, we're no all friends time here. Like this present. goes no further in this room. So the first one was with Kate Blanchett, who I interviewed this year. It was an in-person interview and I was really excited about it. It was for this Australian film she was doing called The New Boy. I went and watched the movie. It was spectacular. And then the next day I went to do The Junket. And when you do The you kind of go and you sign in and you sit with all the other journalists in a room and usually you wait for about half an hour or so and you go in. But with this junket, the time kept moving back and normally that'd be fine, but I was getting very nervous because we had a double spill record that morning and I was like, I can't be late because the studio was booked through the rest of the day. So I kept going up to the people who were going to the interview and being like, hey, in like any time frame, is there any way I could go next? I'm so sorry. I wouldn't normally do this, but I have to leave. And then finally, one of the PRs rushed over to me and he was like, okay, you can go now. We'll slip you in. So I quickly gathered up all my things. I had my laptop, my bag, all my stuff because I'd been working in this mm -hmm. lobby. And then he brought me around the corner and there was like three flights of like really high stairs. And he starts running up the stairs. And then I'm like, oh my God, must be a time crunch. And I also want to keep up so I don't get lost. So then I started running up the stairs. And I'm like a pretty fit person. I can run up a flight of stairs without getting breathless. But I had heels on. I was carrying all my stuff. I was nervous. And so I'm like, 
going <sighs> running up the stairs. And then we got to the top of these three flights of like massive stairs. And then he opened the door and he's like, okay, in you go. Now in a junket setting, they never put you straight into the room. You go from like the downstairs bit to a holding bit where you usually sit for a bit longer. And they say, we'll take you in in 10 minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my stuff down. I'm going to gather my thoughts. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to fix my hair and makeup because I look like trash. And I opened the door and walked into the room and like nearly ran smack into Kate Blanchett, who was waiting for me to start the interview. This is a filmed or recorded interview. So there's cameras, mics everywhere. Stop oh. it. This and I'm just like, gets better and better. And I'm trying to say hello to her, but I can't breathe. And so I just dropped my stuff down. And it all clatters to the floor. I think my laptop even opens. I was like, can't deal with it now. Can't deal with it now. And then I walked over, realized I still have my hairbrush in my hand. And I like throw it across the room, probably at someone. (laughs) And then I sit down the chair and then I'm like, okay, they're going to do the intro. Like usually they go like, okay, we're going to do this camera. And then that camera, I'm going to give you a mark to stop at 10 and a mark to stop at 15. I'm still trying to catch my breath. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to like talk me through it all. And I'm going to have a chance to catch my breath. And I'm going to myself, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And then the camera person goes, oh, she does this all the time. She knows what she's doing. Let's just roll. Went straight into the interview. So the start of the interview is me going, okay, Blanchett, oh, my reaction movie. And she's leaning forward and looking at me like I'm crazy. I think she thought I was having a panic attack because I was like so overwhelmed by her presence, which I was. She's like a majestic looking woman. And then I asked her a question. She's talking. And the whole time, you know, when you're trying to catch your breath, oh. it's getting worse and worse. And anyway, so we played the interview on the spill and I think it was okay. And even when I left the room, she was like, you take care. You just take care. And I'm like, <laughs> no. She I'm like, and I walked downstairs with all my stuff. And I just stood in the middle of like the streets of Sydney holding my belongings, which is still like in my hands. I think I left my hairbrush up near Kate Blanchett's feet. <laughs> and I was like... I can't believe that happened. I can't believe all the build up. I prepped for this interview so much. I've been looking forward to it. And then I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> ruined like by a flight of stairs. So when there was that. Oh, God. Quick one from this year is that I did the Barbie press tour. It's just funny how sometimes like those things are so intense and they're doing so many interviews and stuff, how sometimes they can take your question the wrong way. So I had like been to an event with Margot Robbie, Greta Gerwig, Issa Rae and America Ferrera the day before and we were able to ask some questions, but it was like at Bondi Icebergs, mm. a bit more casual. And then they did a press conference that was fun. The next day they did the taped interview and I walked into the room to talk to Margot and Greta and I had really thought of my questions because you don't get a lot of time, but I wanted them to be different. And I asked them about this rumor that was going around about the movie, like potentially being not shut down, but like the idea that someone from Mattel had flown to the set to protest a scene. But I didn't ask them because I wanted to know about the rumour in like a tawdry way. I was trying to lead into the fact that, oh, Mattel thought the movie was going to be one thing, but it's another. Is that how audiences are going to react? But they just heard that and Margot was obvious. She was like, oh my God, way to make it sound so dramatic. Like she basically called me a drama queen. And then Greta was laughing. They were nice about it, but they took the question the wrong way. And Mm. I never really got to the question that I wanted. And now every time I see one of their faces pop up and all their Barbie stuff, I'm just like, they think I'm the Australian journalist that asked them the stupid question about the rumour and that's not even what I meant. So anyway, that's my two good slash bad interviews of the year. I love it so much. Margot Robbie thinks Laura Brodnick's a drama queen. She said on the camera, she's like, it was not that dramatic, but I appreciate that you're trying to make it sound dramatic. Oh my God, She was being nice about it. She was being nice about it, but I was like, oh God, this is off to a terrible start. All right, Chels. So my worst interview is 
notorious and I actually spoke about it on the same episode last year and because like we spoke about earlier the strikes and stuff meant that I wasn't doing as many interviews I have not had any that even come near to that worst <laughs> so maybe we can link that in the show notes and you can go back and listen to did that did you say her name I think you did <sighs> you can probably say it you can probably say it she would love you to say it, just so you know. I just feel she would love people to think she was a bit too difficult and a I diva. actually don't think I did say the name because I then had DMs from people after that episode being oh, like, was okay. it blah? Like, I got the vibe. And I was like, yes. So it was Jemima Kirk and it was an absolute trash fire. <laughs> the only other terrible interview I've had was actually bad because of me. It was my problem. So I was the problem. It's me. Hi. Because it happened at like 5.30 in the morning. It was a Zoom call. I logged onto the Zoom call and I was like, man, I don't feel great. But I was like, maybe it's just because it's it's 5 in the morning. It was for a TV show that I didn't particularly enjoy watching. Was this recently, Chels? I won't say what show it was. It was very end of last year. So after we would have recorded last year's episode. It was with Adam Devine, who was absolutely lovely. Absolutely. I would believe that. Yeah. I was like, don't, don't ruin that man He would me. be Devine. It was the worst pun I've ever heard. No, he was so, like, you know, charming and funny and everything that he needed to be. And I just was feeling horrendous. It was five in the morning. I was tired. And I just thought I was really, really, really tired. Then I logged off from the interview. I got what I needed. I thought it was all all quite hazy. And then within a couple of hours later, I was like, I really don't feel well. Did a COVID test and I had COVID. And so... That was not my fault. I didn't know I had COVID, but it was just a truly horrific morning. And I just think about it all the time as one of those, like, just a blur, just an utter clusterfuck, (laughs) basically. It was just like dominoes, comedically bad. Sorry, my heartfelt apologies to Adam Devine because I was not my best self. He probably thinks about it every day. Like, he wakes up in the morning and he's like, <laughs> Oh, of course. And that journalist has tried to impress her and she gave me nothing. She just didn't care about me. <laughs> she gave me nothing. Well, thank you for all of your juicy questions. We loved answering them. We can't wait to see what you ask us next year. And it's our last episode with the three of us together for the year. Thank you so much for listening. We'll say our proper goodbyes tomorrow. This episode of The Spill was produced by Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Stronic. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. 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 Bye.